0: what's up everybody hello and welcome to episode number 163 of the VK Bros with Jason and Alex von Cannell uh, coming at you on a beautiful sunny spring day mate the Gold Coast is the place to be it is a uh, people always try to get away to here to go on holidays and I live here and I'm thankful for it every single day it is beautiful how are you Alex
1: uh, I'm good except I've got to the problem with the Gold Coast being so good is that I'm in Brisbane and and everyone wants to go to the Gold Coast on the... Because it's the last day of the school.
0: Oh, yeah. Happy term. school holidays to all the kids listening and any teachers listening as well.
1: Well, the problem is, though, that I need to drive from here to Kulingata Airport because I'm flying to Japan tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And Google Maps is saying that the drive after 3 o'clock is going to be two hours just to the Gold Coast, which is double... And then it'll probably be another two hours then. Well, I've got some good
0: news for you. I drove southbound on the highway at 11.30 this morning and the traffic was already bad. And then I just drove northbound on the highway just after one o'clock and it's just as bad. So I don't think it's really going to make a difference when you leave because it's just (laughs) gnarly.
1: So that's why I have to apologize. I've got bags in the back because I'm all packed, ready to go. So we're going to attempt to do next week's episode. I'll be in Japan. We'll see Mm. if we can line it up, see if we can get the tech to line up.
0: Do you want to tell the uh, listeners sort of what your plans are for Japan? What pl- what I don't know what
1: <laughs> It's not my job. My job is to pack my bags and, show and up. make sure that we get there on time. That's,
0: yep. that's it's so job. funny because I'm exactly the same. Uh, when the wife and I went to America a few years ago, it was a month-long holiday. There was all this stuff and like I remember her talking at me about various planning uh, meetings for, for the trip and yep. I remember... Because that was, like, it's very strict to get into America, isn't it? And oftentimes, customs oh, yeah. quizzes you on, like, where you're going, what your movements are and everything. So I actually tried, had to try to, like, memorize our itinerary on the plane flight over because I was worried about uh, being quizzed by customs. But we flew into mm. Hawaii anyway, and they literally were just like, aloha, and they just didn't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, All right,
1: now, what
0: do we got this week, Alex?
1: I want to posit you a question.
0: Mm-hmm. Posit away.
1: This is on the back of, I don't know if you've seen that there's a TikTok craze where women have asked their male partners how many times they think about the Roman Empire. (laughs) Right. What's your answer?
0: How many times a day do I think about it?
1: Yeah. Or what frequency do you think of the Roman Empire?
0: I think it would cross my mind, I don't know, minimum once a fortnight at least.
1: Yeah because so yeah, th- there's just shocking. so many
0: things that are relevant to, to today.
1: Well, women think it's zero. So we, we, women don't think about of the Roman Empire do. ever. No, yeah, yeah. Like, why would zero?
0: they? Zero. um Name me all of the famous women from the Roman Empire. Cleopatra. She wasn't from the Roman Empire.
1: No, but she had, but she married Julius Caesar.
0: Yeah, I know. So, so in other words, just like today, the famous woman's married to the bloke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> so... Now that, that was, we were talking about it in the gym this morning and there was, uh, I asked one of the girls there, like how many times have you thought about it? She goes, literally never, never mm. ever considered it once before. And then we asked around and all the guys like, because I'm, I'm probably at least three a week. The last conversation I had about the Roman Empire was yesterday in my shed because we talked about if we had a time machine, how long, and we went back to Roman times, we both said that we want to go back to Roman times,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how long would we survive just on the nutrition or like, are, like, would the diseases kill us? Would our diseases kill them? And if so, would they think that we are, like, a a wizard or something? Um, that, that was, like, that's just a normal guy conversation. So to, to the ladies out so there... So how do you think you'd go? I thought I could last... Because I don't know enough about the sort of nutrition side. I know the Romans ate quite well. Mm-hmm. Even the slaves ate really, really well. Pretty natural. Like, they don't have the processed stuff, I guess. It's just whether your stuff is clean, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but maybe stay away of like stay, if you're smart enough to stay out of the closely danced walled cities where there's shit through the streets. You know, maybe stay at you know, maybe get a job at a farmhouse outside. Mm-hmm. Then I think I could last the year.
0: I I would like to think that I would fare far better in that time than you would.
1: Probably, yeah. probably. I, I see think, the way you live. I think you because
0: live I'm naturally grubbier than you. Yeah. So I think I'm more like I'll I'll eat food off the floor. <laughs> like yeah. I am I'm far more better suited for like a septic society for sure. Food wise,
1: I'd, uh, I'd cop that. There, there is no argument. For
0: yeah, that. yeah. I think I think I'd actually do fairly well back then.
1: Yeah, that's just the precursor to the real question. So mm-hmm. the next question that came up, which I thought was fascinating, which is if we had a time machine, we could go back a hundred years. What could we do to make us a billionaire today?
0: Uh, you could. In- so The is
1: 1924. Okay. So we go, uh, 1923. So we go back to 1923.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What can you do? So you can't bring anything back with you. Yep. So it's like uh, Terminator rules. You know, you, you, you're naked. Yep. And you go back to that time what can you do to become a billionaire now
0: just invest 20 bucks in the stock market
1: and what would you buy uh
0: volkswagen shares
1: and where do you get that yes so yeah so we had spoken about that one that did come up not sure if it was listed on the new york stock exchange Mm -hmm. uh but what how'd you get the 20 bucks
0: Oh, I'd probably just steal it from someone. If back in 1924, no surveillance, well, we, I'll just mug someone. Take so we in. hadn't
1: we hadn't thought of theft. But that's that's a good one. Again, I mean, that's why I, I'm
0: thriving in ancient Rome the more yes, see,
1: I was white collar cuz I thought of corruption, <laughs> you know. Like I, I I had got to the point where I I said the same thing. So the one skill the one skill that I can bring is sales, being able to sell myself, being mm. able to sell whatever it is that I need to sell.
0: Yeah, male prostitution, you could make some money. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I'm worried about the diseases. So <laughs> I would go to the middle of New York, I'll go to Wall Street, and I'll get a job on the trading floor. Yep. And just look for any brands that I recognised, like Coca-Cola, like Walt Disney, like, right? Just,
0: just one thing, but I think back in 1924, um, I don't know if they would allow someone of such dubious ethnicity onto the stock exchange floor in oh that real
1: white say I, <laughs> I would mold well okay because that was the, one of the other ones that i said because there was an old boy in the gym talking to us about it too and, we, and he brought about, up
0: the racism
1: <laughs> he did he did because i said one of the best ways is to go to somewhere that's got a natural resource and just claim it like and everyone's like, oh, yeah, but, you know, gold's kind of... The gold rush has already been done. And, and I was like, well, I would save enough money to get to the Middle East... Yep. And sit on Dubai, which would have been sand, you know. Mm. I, I, I probably had to buy the Bedouins five goats to have, like, a piece of sand... Mm-hmm. And then, you know, ride it out. Then you're a billionaire.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, but he goes, like, oh, like, they wouldn't take too kindly. You know, the war has just finished you're coming out of the Great War, white guys probably aren't that welcome but in the world. But you look
0: like one of their people.
1: Correct. <laughs> I'm racially ambiguous enough.
0: That's right. So that, yeah, you yeah, could definitely correct. do something like that.
1: Yeah, so I think that's what I'd do.
0: When when was Coca-Cola created?
1: 1890.
0: So you can invest in Coke?
1: Yeah. That, that, so, I mean, that's
0: how Warren Buffett made but, most of his money, wasn't
1: it? At one period of time, the local bank where Coca-Cola was founded mm-hmm. was the richest place on earth because the bank manager at the time convinced all their uh, all their customers to buy stock in Coca-Cola. Yeah right. And just as, as it went up but what's weird is that the, it IPO'd for fifty dollars in nineteen twenty nine. I think Jesus. is when it uh was there
0: three shares available.
1: Yeah, it's because it's only fifty dollars now. Mm. Weird, weird. So it, obviously it would have chopped and changed, chopped and changed, chopped and changed. And yeah. $50 back then would have been a lot of money.
0: Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. But it obviously would just would have been a much, much smaller amount of shares available. At the yeah, I state. think so.
1: It would be an interesting little case study to see, but mm. we went all the, down all things. It was like the best thing we could bring... Oh, the main undertone of it was that most of our skills don't translate. So right. we we'll, oh, let's just invent something we don't know how to invent anything
0: that's right you know how to use things but you don't really know how to create yeah
1: do you know what an interesting invention that i could invent though after going through the list
0: uh the paper in
1: the 1920s oh i didn't think of that one i don't know when that was uh invented but uh the water ski like i can invent the water ski (laughs) that was invented in the 20s
0: yeah right
1: Imagine bring the, being the guy that made a billion dollars selling wakeboards. <laughs> in
0: 1920. And yeah. just, yeah, imagine looking back at, like, the old advertisements compared to everything else. Like, it'd...
1: Yes, here, you can see him. He's uh, up on one leg. Yeah. Gone in the days of the skis, <laughs> introducing the wakeboard. <laughs> this wakeboard being pulled behind a two-horsepower engine. <laughs> this motorboat. Look at him, he's having a great time.
0: But the best thing about these sorts of discussions is it makes you analyze your own skill sets. And obviously you're trying to apply your skill set to 1920, but then it also makes you go, okay, how can I actually leverage my skill set now in today's day and age to become a millionaire?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm having this talk with some uh, younger people now because like we've said on the show before, you have to think. You have to have a deep understanding of the way the system works to really uh, make the right moves. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, most people just think. Yeah, you know, I, I got in a long debate with Tasha. Talk. She's talking about retirement. Yeah. And like I don't even like the word retirement. No. Because my goal, if I if I just have to, if i if I'm just going to work and wait till I'm 67, 68, 69, 70, whatever the age is going to be by the time I, I can retire and then get my money back drip-fed to me, yeah. I fail life. That's how I... Yeah, how that's I'm right. Stay.
0: Retirement so, to me just means you just stop doing what you were doing before and then you just die much faster.
1: Yeah, so I, I talk about the milestone that I want to reach is where my assets generate more than it costs me to live.
0: mm mm-hmm. That's freedom.
1: That's freedom. Yeah. So I don't call that retirement. Like, you know, and and you can't do that. Sorry, you can do it. It's very difficult to do it if you're just working a job, mm-hmm. saving money. You know, maybe dabbling in some investing. Now, yeah. some guys have done it in property. The, the the people willing to like leverage themselves to the eyeballs, work mm-hmm. their arse off. You can absolutely Who are currently do that.
0: in big trouble.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the ones that have played their cards right can can probably probably make it work, mm-hmm. but you really need to think outside the square and you really need to do what other people aren't willing to do or are too scared to do yeah. to to uh, attain that. So that's – I think that's an important lesson. I think um, not enough people are talking about it. And I get it. The system doesn't want you to know that. The system wants you to be a worker drone so they can for sure. suck, suck the tax off you for your whole life. And, you know, talking to young people about – the the fact that uh housing affordability is so crazy i only just had this epiphany today i'm like no one in 2015 was talking about it because it was a shit market you know mm. it's only because we're at the top of the bubble oh now that things are really expensive i can't afford them yeah, yeah, yeah cool, but yeah. they're not always expensive yeah. and then when they're not expensive are you gonna are you gonna act
0: mm. probably not there'll be another excuse why you can't act at that point in time
1: yeah yeah so look you gotta be patient You've got to look at the market data. You've got to get financially literate. And a lot of people say, look, I just don't care about it. And that's cool. But just know that you're going to be more susceptible to financial issues if you don't know what's happening around you.
0: Yeah, and that attitude affects you in every part of your life because it's like, you know, when you're young and you're in your 20s and you go, oh, I don't really care about health and fitness and nutrition. And you go, yeah, but one day you will and you know 40 or 50 or 60 year old you will be hoping that 25 year old you made good decisions um just a side note on on what you was just saying it, so last weekend in UFC event one of the biggest upsets in UFC history Sean Strickland beats Israel Adesanya for the middleweight championship of the world and not only beat him but dominated him for five rounds straight so it wasn't right. wasn't like like it is, it is the biggest upset because before this, the largest upset ever was uh, Matt Serra versus GSP way back in the day, but that was a flash knockout. Matt Serra hit him with a lucky punch Lock. and yeah. it was over. This was five rounds of domination and it was just a striking match. Like they they even said beforehand, so Sean Strickland is a very uh, unsavory character. They literally said before the match, him and his coach, the game plan is to wrestle and... And he goes, But when I get hit in the head, I just go into retard mode. <laughs> uh, and and he's a he's a stand up fighter. He loves to box. And he just boxed Izzy up for five rounds straight. That's twenty five minutes straight, boxing one of the best uh, kickboxing world champions we've ever seen what in the this? UFC.
1: What's his wingspan?
0: Uh Izzy had a had a reach advantage. Uh, okay. Like two what? to three inch reach advantage. So okay. it no one gave Strickland a chance going into this into this event. No one. No one. Um, a lot of the pundits are even saying that he should have been like a 20 to 1 underdog to win this fight and he wow. dominated and the thing that I found so interesting afterwards is there was one tweet that got put up by this uh, lady called Helen Yo, who is a an MMA journalist and she said years ago before she got big because uh, she was friends with Sean Strickland and before she got big uh, she's having a conversation with him, and he's very straightforward, right? And he goes, uh, "Why aren't you? Why aren't you the biggest journalist in the world? Like you've got everything. You're 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 attractive. You're smart. You know the game. Why aren't you the biggest in the world?" And she's like, "Oh,", oh and trying to make all these excuses, and then he goes, "Are you afraid of failure?" And she's like, "Oh, I guess I am." And he goes, "As soon as you forget that shit, you will become the biggest." journalist on the planet and she's look she's not the biggest but she's very very successful she's doing really really well and what's interesting about that mentality for me is no one gave him a chance even he in the lead up to the fight was was doubting himself he's like he was giving izzy the props he's like man i'm probably gonna go like get knocked out because not i think it was two fights prior to this title fight he just got knocked out by the guy that izzy just beat so like he's he can be knocked out you know even he doubted himself but the biggest thing is he never was he was never afraid of failing. He thought there's a fair chance that he might, but he wasn't afraid of it. He just gave yeah. it a crack anyway and look what happened. And I think that fear of failure is one of the biggest problems in our society at the moment. It's one of the reasons why I think sport has enriched my life so much. And I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. The reason why uh, I feel I well one of the big reasons why I am the person I am today is I played for Tambury Mountain Eagles soccer team. We are sort of a small country town. We were always the the underdogs in just about every match just because we didn't have the people. So I lost a lot, which meant I got really used to losing. And losing didn't matter. All that losing did for me was make me work harder, train harder, and it made the victories that came behind that so much sweeter. And therefore, I then craved those victories even more.
1: So I became really good at losing. Sales is another analogy too. Yeah, definitely. You, A salesperson, car salespeople lose way more than they win. Absolutely. And when you get good at losing and... Uh, no, is it good at losing or good at dealing with loss?
0: Well, yeah, it's you, being a good loser.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, it's funny because it does cut you a different, a different way. So you know how I've spoken on the show before many times about doing these doing these other tech businesses that I've got, and I have got an update that I'm willing to talk about. So Mm -hmm. I'll bring that up after. Cool. Not only have you got the fear of like, uh, the fear of failure is one thing. Mm -hmm. There is a fear that people will judge you, for what you're doing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The fact that those people can say, don't do it. And in a way they're always right. Yeah, that's right. Because if you fail, then they were right. Mm-hmm. And also, because you're alone out there doing it by yourself, you've got very few people to speak to to get some clarity around those things. It's hard to find a support network. Yeah. Because, it, like, I, I can talk to some people that literally the, their faces just glaze over because the problems I've got. A problems they've never had.
0: Yeah, and you actually need to succeed in the thing that you're doing before you get access to the next group of people who have done the same thing as you.
1: Yeah. Now yeah. it's interesting too the way that my brain has a small part of me always felt like this, but I think it's far more in tune now. Which is, I don't sweat anything that's in the future. Mm-hmm. Like whatever problems going to come up. Like I all I know is that problems are coming yeah but i can't worry about those i have to just tell myself that when those problems arise i'm going to be smart enough to figure them out yeah and if i'm not smart enough to figure it out i'll find out how to figure it out
0: yeah
1: Right. and that has been a really empowering attitude for me that is something that it. it's a game changer mm. don't sweat the shit that hasn't happened now i I'll, I'll use this analogy there was a guy I didn't even see the the, the speaker someone told me about this moment when he saw a speaker mm-hmm. he, held, he holds a pen up and he goes what happens when I drop the pen when I drop the pen it falls down right it falls down no matter how many times I do it 100% of the time it's going to fall down
0: yeah
1: don't be upset about that stuff those are called mm. moments of truth yeah uh, sorry sorry facts of life those are facts of life you cannot change a fact of life, so don't be upset about it. That's right. So some stuff just is what it is and will always be. Yeah. Now the future, you can't change the future. Mm-hmm. Shit is going to go wrong, right? But all you can do is go in with a uh, "I can fix it" attitude. Yeah. And nothing can stop you.
0: That's right. And and so, you need and I think your mentality of saying to yourself problems will happen in the future i think that's so important because you know one of the things that i think a lot of people struggle with is uh, everything's reactive so they don't plan ahead for the problems a problem arises it, it becomes a massive impost on their life and they they have to like you know scratch and scrape and crawl through it and they get to the other side and they go oh thank god that's over and i don't have to deal with that anymore and they feel this relief and it's like no no, no the next problem's coming and, the, and because you'd learnt nothing from the last one and you're not planning ahead for that next one, it's going to make that next one just as bad, if not worse, than what this one was.
1: I think it was a Marcus Aurelius quote, a stoic quote, which yeah, is, okay. the, ob- the obstacle is the path.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because if you think about it, clutch coasting, like, be- like e- easy life, shit that just happens for the sake of happening, you've had no influence over, mm. you're just a passenger. Yeah. What you do when you get to the crossroads, what you do when you get to adversity... That's what makes you a person.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: And and unfortunately, what I see is more, it is easy for people to write themselves off because they think they're going to handle the thing in the future poorly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yep.
1: Now, you've retracted back into your comfort zone. You're in your comfort zone. You can't get hurt in your comfort zone. Yep. But there's another quote, uh, Jim, Jim Roll or Roth, I think. He's like, um, the cost of getting it wrong, uh, there is a cost to getting it wrong, but wait till you get the bill for not trying.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. They're, they're, like, you've got to just put it out there. And unfortunately, the system the system keeps throwing it out there. I think in a way, social media has made it worse in that we show a lot. the algorithm pushes wealth, success, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And there's also like an industry that's been built to like, follow me and I'll show you how to do it. Blah, yeah. blah, 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 all, all that kind of stuff. And people are like, ah, oh, charlatan, you know, it's a scam, snake oil, blah, 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 blah. But you can see it so easily that there's, sorry, there's so little effort put into seeing it, the idea of having to implement something to get there seems so remote.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because we are never that, taught I, I,
1: that. Yeah. School
0: doesn't teach you that. Even going to university, it doesn't teach you to do these things. These are things that I think a lot of people, it's it's potluck as to whether or not your parents actually bother teaching you these, these things or you learn them for yourself on the way through. Mm. Um, one of the things that I always try to instill in the boys and mainly Nate because Nate understands more, but Jake soon will start speaking a lot more as well, is it's not the mistake that matters. What you do next is what matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're going to make mistakes and especially when you're a young kid, you're going to make mistakes all the time. I don't care about the mistake. I care about what you do next. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's something that applies to adults too and if you've never heard that before, start applying it to your life.
1: There is you know, like within corporate culture there's there is a you know how like certain managers that you've worked under that don't want to see you flourish, so they hold back. Yeah. on stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's kind of the same thing. It's like your two sphere has said, well, if I teach them everything, I know what I, they don't need me. Mm-hmm. But in reality, how many times has someone been such an effective manager that they've been a lift, a staff member to their level? What happens to that person? They you, don't,
0: that's right. You get elevated. Elevate. That's right. Because then you've also trained your replacement who can take over from your position while you go up and have more influence over the organization at a high level. But 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 I
1: think it happens. I think that's rarer than the.
0: Oh, totally, totally agree. And and look, the majority of my corporate experience has been in the motor trade. I think that there's a lot of negative personality traits in the motor trade because it's such a competitive industry. I also think that there is a definite percentage of people in the trade who have the poser effect. Maybe they, uh, you know, they got in they pushed up to their manager when they were learning and their manager gave them all the gimme deals, which made their numbers look really, really good. And then next thing you know, they they ended up getting promoted to a managerial level with no actual skills and they feel like they're going to get exposed. So those are the managers who then, you know, whatever knowledge they do have, they try to sort of hide bits from their staff beneath them because then they're worried about a usurper coming along and uh, outshining them and taking their job because they know they're an imposter. Like,
1: There's even a self imposter thing. So uh, I've spoken to primarily women. Women are the ones that think this more so, just in my experience, general, blah, 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 blah.
0: It's a psychological phenomenon as well. Jordan Peterson talks about it a lot.
1: Which is that, like a friend of mine was getting promoted, but she was terrified of the idea of the extra responsibility. Yeah. And I said to him, you know you know all the stuff already, right? Mm. And she's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I'm like, no, no, no. They've approached you and they want to elevate you. You, they, they don't do that for no reason. They That's do right. that because they respect what you do and you know. And if you just go into it and make like you know what the result needs to be, yep. so all you need to know is what what the desired result is, and you need to have some skills on how to get there, which is what you've done as you've been going through your your journey.
0: Yeah,
1: but it's it feels like because I've always known i have no fucking idea what to expect the next role to be Mm -hmm. i've no idea because most of the managers i've worked with never showed me yeah so when i got it i was like oh okay well what problems come up okay what's the best way to solve it okay and then after it was that effective was that not effective okay what will i change about the next one and then just get develop and develop and develop that's right but like how are you gonna win if you don't even think you can win
0: yeah exactly And I I do think that is a female trait because they are worried they don't like conflict, so they don't want to get something wrong and then get in trouble over it and cause some sort of conflict that they're not comfortable in. I do think that it it is more typical of men to just it's that whole hunter gatherer thing, I guess. We'll just hunt for the next role and we'll figure it out when we get there. Yeah. But I don't think that's as prevalent these days as it used to be. And I think that, like you were saying before, things like social media are, are making this sort of stuff worse. I, I think we do have a lot of self-confidence issues uh, in oh, our society absolutely. now. And, and, you know, why shouldn't you? Like you said, social media pushes to you wealth, pushes to you how attractive people are, fitness influencers. So if you just log on to your Instagram, you will see people that are jacked. You'll see people that are rich. You'll see people that are on holidays in beautiful places Japan tick tick tick. beautiful places all (laughs) over the world and in your mind sort of puts all these things together and goes everyone on there is doing all of these things why aren't I doing it it's because I'm not good enough um my one of the things that I have thought about for a long long time and probably ever since I got into corporate life is uh no one's ever prepared for stepping up to the next level there's no way possible of being able to it's like for me you know we could have read i could have read all the baby books in the world nothing prepares you for having a kid it has got completely different to experience to what you think it was going to be going into it so you just have to do it and i trusted myself when i went to have children that i had literally zero experience with kids but i'm like everybody does it i'll be able to figure it out and I know that every single person who has ever lived this life has only ever done it once, which means they have just had this same level of self-doubt. And uh, exactly, yeah, like as you, everyone's We're all the, same boat. the same. That's right. Yeah, no yeah, one yeah. is special. The only difference yeah. is some people just go, "I don't care about failing. I'm just going to have a crack. Let's go."
1: So I let me put this in because we've always talked about like you. You can talk about the old woo-woo stuff, but we we you know we want to be pragmatic and we want to give you real hard uh, practices that you can put in place and I think I think there's some really good ones and the number one is like self-assessing but in a constructive way yeah okay so you need to reframe not I'm not worthy that's not helpful mm-hmm. it is how can I be worthy
0: yeah
1: right so just just modulate your thinking just a little bit okay. Mm. And then, and then, uh, also think about too. Okay, when what am I going to do when things go bad? Okay, am I going to worry about it, or am I going to implement a process? And an example I would give as a great tip is if you if you had to prepare for this thing, be prepared to write the issue down. Yep. Okay, because we know, well, for a start, there is an answer to every problem. Just know that. There is an answer to every problem, yeah. but if you, if you are new to this way of thinking, a great guide is just have a have a diary. I've got a I've got a book that I have on my desk every single day. I wrote I write notes in it. If I'm in a really high stress situation, I'll I'll take a moment, take a de- a breath, open the book up, and I'll write what the issue is. Mm-hmm. When you put it into text, this amazing thing will happen. Most of the anxiety goes away. Because you made the anxiety. Yeah. The anxiety's not real. You made it. Mm-hmm. Your body, whatever uh, cortisol, I don't know what the things are. Yeah, cortisol
0: is uh, your stress hormone. Yep.
1: Okay. <laughs> I fucking no, <know> but. <laughs> um.
0: Shouldn't have doubted yourself. Just kept going. Yeah, 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 <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh. So that that will inhale, look that will put you in a better headspace to then make a decision. Yeah. And then in, on the same piece of paper, write down what are the possible solutions. Now, if someone's pressuring you for the idea, just tell them, give me one moment. That's right. Like no, nothing's that, you know. If it's that, that
0: important, it can wait 30 seconds.
1: Yeah, and that's all it takes, 30 yeah. seconds in. So that that's a great example. The other one too, never let emotion yep. run a business transaction. Correct. If you are angry, if you are overly caring, sad, happy. If any of those things, if you're feeling any of those things before a decision-making time, you need to stop it. Yeah. Now you could write it down. You might go, go for a walk. You know that I used to have when I was at Volkswagen, I used to have a sanity walk. I'd call it a sanity walk. I'd send salespeople out and sanity walks all the time. Like they're all agitated. And it was just a walk around the block in the sun. And and the, the block is it's, Two walks. Yeah, yeah. Small, right? 200 meter walk. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 boom. Come back, sit down at your desk and go, okay, like I'm fresh now. Mm-hmm. Like think about it with from fresh eyes. Same with the emails. We know the emails. Someone sends like a firing email. Someone, ah, oh, fucking, uh, write it down. Yep. Do your sanity walk. Sit back down and read it. Yeah. Before you send it. Don't mm-hmm. send it. Okay. So there, there's some tips. Write stuff down to make it real understand when it's your feelings you're reacting to feelings and not facts
0: it's interesting that that particular section i literally was looking at something yesterday about a stoicism uh property which is if you get an emotional response to anything wait 30 seconds before you respond to it Mm. because like you're right you get that email that comes through it makes you angry you like you you want it like fight or flight kicks in and that's your body's natural Process which was designed to keep us safe from predators, mm. but it still works on you, even though it's just an email. Yeah, so you, what you have to do is take the emotion out of it, take 30 seconds, like you said, write it down. Because more often than not, when you go, Oh, this guy said this thing, okay, write down what that thing is. Oh, they they declined my request for a day off that I put in at the last minute, and then you go, mm, Is that really that big a deal? Should I blow yeah, up yeah. my career over it? Probably yeah. not. Okay, fair yeah. enough. And you just move on with life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really, really important stuff.
1: Now, another thing that I think is really helpful, if you especially, so I, I'm talking specifically to, I guess, managers or at least people that want to move to the people management side. Yeah. I touched on it before, but I, I think it's worth um, saying again, which is lift the skill set of your team. Mm. And what that means is I would try to dedicate as much time into training the staff. Than I would doing my job. Yep. And as like, and it sounds, oh, that's crazy. My job takes up hundred percent of my capacity. Blah blah blah. Yeah, it might originally, but for every every piece of effort that I put into upskilling one of the staff, I can give them one of those roles. That's right. I can give them one of those roles. I can give them one of those roles. And then you get you get to the point where you've now got a team that's so capable that you're you're now focused on growing like what's the next thing bigger picture stuff yeah 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 so um, and then teach your your staff how to teach the next group coming through when you have some juniors come in how to really invest the time because i think you you know what our experience has been like but i'm sure everyone out there has got has got a thing where they've been given a gig okay uh there's your seat or there's your your role uh just do do job
0: do Mm. the job no induction
1: yeah, like I mean, I've never been to a really, really good induction. inductions just walk you around, but I think it's up to you know your direct report to lift you, to 100%. empower you, and anyone that is good at a job is happy at a job.
0: And that's a big moment of truth thing for me too. Is if you're one of these people who started in these roles, what does your direct manager do? Do they sit down with you and guide you and try to help you succeed, or do they sit in their office, eyeing you off, going, oh, "Here's another new guy." Like, can't wait for them to go, like the last person mm. did. It's a big moment of yeah. truth.
1: When something goes wrong, so someone in your team does something wrong, do you throw them under the bus yeah. or do you protect them? Yeah. Or do you take responsibility for it? Because yeah. you should, you know, I always felt like if something in my team, if there was a fuck up, it's my fault because... I wasn't there to catch it before it got that far or I had not done enough training to to show them how important it was not to do that thing.
0: I remember my first management gig that I ever got in the first dealership that I worked at and it infuriated our boss when I did fuck something up and he would bring it up in the management meetings in the morning and I'd put my hand up and say, yeah, man, I'm really sorry. Like won't happen again. Yeah that would infuriate because he wasn't he was so not used to it all he wanted to do was berate me and dress me down in front of people because it made him feel good so just disarmed him straight away really sorry man yeah I made that mistake it won't happen again sorry dude
1: you know in the military you don't you never apologise so in the military you just say that will never happen again yeah okay yeah fair enough it's like sorry doesn't do anything Yeah. but yeah, yeah, not happening again. Yeah, that's the other thing too, learning from your mistakes. How many times have you seen people go into a spiral because they just keep make they make a decision, mm. they get treated poorly about it. Instead yep. of dealing with that, they do another thing and do another thing and let the pressure get to them. They start feeling stuff and then the, the feelings are running their their activities mm-hmm. and then their activities get worse and worse and worse yep. and they literally tip themselves out. I've, right. I've lost some great salespeople over the time because of that spiral. And I didn't have the skills at the time to realise, to say, hey, like try and break that.
0: Yeah, That's break that cycle. cycle.
1: Yeah, but um and also uh, good good workers are hard to find, but it's as much on you to make them good than it is up to them. Yeah, exactly. And like that the other big one too. I have this debate with a friend of mine all, all the time. He is of the opinion that you you know, I just pay these people, they should do they should do their job and they should care about it. Why would they care? Mm. Like why would they care? One of the first things I ever asked whenever I do, like a whenever I move to a new organisation, mm-hmm. and I will, I'll do a one-on-one with everyone in the team, and one of the things I so I always find out what they do outside of work. Yeah, good. And then I say, what can we do here to help facilitate your life outside of work? Yep. And they've looked at me like, well, Like, what's that? Like, I don't even know what that means. Never been asked that before. And it means something like, what. Is there a skill that we could work on here that helps you in your with your passion? Mm-hmm. Is there like have you got aspirations for that passion to move forward, you know, instead of saying like don't worry about that outside stuff. You know, your focus needs to be here. Yeah.
0: It can even be as simple as, Oh, do you do organized sport on one night a week? So maybe you can start early that day so I can let you off early in the afternoon. So you don't have to yes. stress back into your game. Like you're right. Like when everyone talks about work life balance, but it is rare that you get a manager who actually tries to facilitate that for you and employees that are happy doing what they are doing. And it's not getting in the way of their life. They're, they're better employees. They work harder. They're usually more productive.
1: Isn't it the best case scenario in the world where you had a worker that was like a subordinate, so someone that you've brought on, you've trained up, they've become, you've helped them, you empower them into achieving their goals that aren't necessarily in your workforce, Mm -hmm. but they've been so good, they could replace their, uh, they could train up their replacement and then they go on to bigger and better things and follow their passions and dreams. Is that not like-
0: You spoke to one of mine the other day and that just makes me happy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's the way it should be, as opposed to you know just shut up and shut up and work. You yeah, know, it's, that
0: that it, negativity that that only can work if you are paying people through the nose, so that for like because all you care about is the money because you're like oh I'm paying these people so they that they doesn't work do-
1: either. That doesn't work either. Yeah. Money is a number in a bank account. You think it works, but you st- you're still subject to the same feelings and emotions. Yeah, true. So, like, it's just a matter of time. If you get paid that's more, right. you might last longer there. Yeah, right? yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, and one, I,
1: I would also say this too, for your soul, don't stay in oh, a yeah. company that is ripping yourself from you. Yeah. Like, upskill and leave.
0: And leave, yeah. Like,
1: find, find your passion.
0: Again, that's that fear of failure thing then. Like, there's opportunities everywhere. Like, just yeah. go that that's a big lesson that I had to learn early on in my career as well. Um, one last point I will make on this too, and this, maybe this belongs in the like Andrew Tate esque manosphere sort of side of things, but I don't know where it comes from. It literally might be because we were raised in the nineties and every nineties action movie I watched was about some regular dude who went up against insurmountable odds and saved the day. Uh, I've always had this mentality as a man that it's my responsibility that if the shit goes down, whatever that may be, I will be prepared to take action at that point in time. I've always seen that as a responsibility. I don't know why, but I have. And I know that there have been many, many points in my life where shit has gone down in various avenues. And one of the things that gives me confidence is I know that I've risen to the task Every single time it's happened because that's just my mentality. I'm like, I, I might be lazy on a day-to-day basis, but if something is urgent, like for example, the snake that was in the house, right? I don't want to be the person who has to go and call someone to get rid of this snake. It's my responsibility. It's my house. It's my sanctuary. I've got to protect it. So I took responsibility and got rid of the snake out of the house. And that might not be a big deal for like people who are snake people who just don't care. And they would have cuddled it and had it in their bed at night. But it is a big deal for a lot of people who are scared of snakes. I'm like,
1: scared of snakes.
0: well, there you go. Like it's a minor thing, but I'm like, when the shit goes down, I just need to be confident enough in myself to take action at that point in time. And that does give me confidence because I know I've done it before, which means I know I'm going to do it again next time.
1: I feel look, I, I've changed my thinking at the gym in mm-hmm. that regard, which is there's some stuff that I really suck at and I would resist. So, uh, plate push, do you know, what plate pushes. Yeah. Yeah. 10 kilo plate on the, on the ground and put your hands on it and run it up. Mm-hmm. Run it up, the drag it on, on the ground. We push it up on the ground and push back. And like I don't know the shape of my body. I'm a hundred kilos. Like it's and I, don't know, I just really don't like it. But if there's an option to do it, I do it. Yeah, I just do it. And I'm trying to make my enemy my friend. Mm-hmm. Because you know once you get good at it, you like it.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just like anything in life.
1: Yeah, yeah. I find that interesting. Now, okay, so moving on. I've been honey dicking everyone about these businesses of mine. Mm-hmm. Okay. One, still top secret, I need money. If you're rich, hit me up. Okay. <laughs> the the two, we did a successful test on Monday week. Mm-hmm. Now I want Can I can I announce it? Can I announce my branding? Do I have Yeah 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 bear with me, bear with me, bear with me. Because So this I've been working on for uh, five years. Hold on. Hold on. I can't do two things at once because I'm an idiot. Okay.
0: You can do two things at once, Alex.
1: what, What happened was I've actually been working on an idea for 10 years with my business partner. 10 years with best mates. We've been working on this concept for 10 years. We've tried many iterations of it. none of them none of them really uh, achieved what we wanted to achieve. Then we thought when we he's now in my business we are so we've, we've freed our minds up to be able to work on on these things. And as we were working on that one we'd actually assembled a team and we're doing these roundtables, you know, every week. We kind of decided, hey, let's do a diet version so Mm -hmm. we can test some of the technology and some of the business principles from the big one and we'll put it into something smaller, okay? So we'll run two businesses. Now, the small one is the one that we're the most progressed with and it's been a fucking monster, (laughs) all right? So it's been... Crazy. The journey has been crazy. We're still not there. We're probably halfway there. Mm-hmm. Okay, but to put it into perspective, I was asking people last year, Aussies, to help me build this thing, and I was and I was, I was offering like mid six figures. Sorry, I was earning mid one hundreds for yep. someone to build this thing for me, and I was getting laughed at. And in my head, I was like, dude, it can't be that hard. The concept is not that hard. Now, subsequently, like, you, you know, in that time, the tech industry has been annihilated. You know, we're talking 90% layoffs at, you know, Twitter and Meta and and that's sort of cascaded across Australia. There's a lot more developers around now. But now it's too late. I'm offshoring it. Mm-hmm. The team that I've got in India is doing a great job. I'm actually really enjoying working with them. And so far, they've been very good and they've provided us with like a phase one test which we test for Monday. I'll, I want to I'll announce I'll show you what I've got so far. Not the product. I'll show you the brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, drum roll, please. Brrr, ding! Why did that not show up?
0: <laughs> that's good good up? soft launch, Al. Yeah.
1: Is that showing on your screen? Yep. Sorry, it's my... Hey, I got it. Okay, sorry, that was my fault. Okay, so the brand is called Texas HODL. Texas HODL is a online poker game that's going to utilize Bitcoin's lightning network. The brand, I think the brand is so cool. Uh, for those that don't know, hodling means holding Bitcoin. There was a there was a forum years and years and years ago when Bitcoin was going through its first bull run and people were saying, don't sell it, don't sell it. Just hodl. He spelled it wrong and that's stuck for life. So Texas hodl Hasn't is it, Texas isn't hold and poker.
0: Hold on for dear life, hodling? No, no. Is that what it's turned into?
1: That's what it's turned into. But yeah, basically someone just said, just hold. But it was HODL. So Texas HODL, it's Texas Hold and Poker. We're going to use Bitcoin's Lightning Network because it's fast. The fees are very low. It's going to gain the user quite a lot of security as well. So unlike the current versions that are out where basically your uh, funds are sitting on their platform, Mm Uh, and then you would send it to, to a bank for then you then to use. This one here, once once you're sort of finished, you can literally pump it straight back into your phone and yeah. you've got access to your funds straight away. It's basically what Bitcoin was intended to do. Mm. This was my whole frustration. I was I was talking to people, a lot of crypto guys, and they're like, Oh, I wouldn't want to spend my Bitcoin on you know on something. And like we're gonna have to eventually. Yeah, it's uh, right. because Bitcoin can't just be about holding. Yeah. And it can't just be about squirreling away because what's the point? They'll have no value if we don't use it. That's right. So I, one of the targets that i written, I wrote down in my book because I plan for stuff. One of the things I wrote down is I will have a business that is online three, six, five, you know, 24 hours a day. This is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful pro- protocol. It doesn't sound like much. It's, but it's been a monster for us to build we're halfway there. We have a... Well, you played on Monday night. It was we fun
0: had, too. I enjoyed it. We had it. a great time, yeah, right? Yeah. It was a
1: really good time. We're playing with some features. We're thinking about adding a Discord button so that you could click it would bring you to a table channel mm-hmm. so everyone could speak to each other. Oh,
0: I think that's a really good addition. Yeah, yeah. Right?
1: So we've, we've, we've asked that. There's a couple little um, bugs that we picked out. It's the whole point of doing the, doing the test. Mm-hmm. The test went really, really well. Everyone had a good time. Um, I've got some table uh, optimizations coming. Also, we're changing the way way it looks. So there's going to be some. Um, there's also some nicer. There's also some nicer imagery. Yep. That's that, that's coming. Like the color customizing the cards. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, on the bigger news is that you can't use it in Australia. Sorry, you can't you can't domicile it in Australia. Yeah, because there's no. It, this is the dumbest law in the world. Interactive gambling in Australia is illegal. Yeah. So I'll say that again. Interactive gambling is illegal in Australia. So you can use Sportsbet, you can use TAB, you can also, you can you can you can gamble, but you're not allowed to play video games for money. But you are more than welcome. To pay as much as you possibly want for uh, video games.
0: Yeah, you can, like, there's literally online poker apps and, you know, slot machine apps and stuff where you spend real money to buy credits that you can never redeem. And people actually do that. It's wild to me.
1: Dude, Zinger Poker makes like $70 million a month selling chip packs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's wild, man.
1: And, and so that's that seems like really bad value for me. I now I'm not a gambler, but I loved the the fact that we you know there's no house in this. It's just you yep. versus me versus the people on the table. There's going to be no bots on ours. Um, you know, once it comes out, we won't play anymore because obviously there would be a, I guess, a conflict. To this point, and full disclosure, I don't not from what I've seen, I have no access to the cards.
0: Yeah, yeah, you don't have the God mode built into it. That... You heard
1: about? Did you hear about the God mode FTX? Yeah, we when... we
0: spoke about that when we first uh, broke the FTX story. We spoke about the uh, misgivings of the gentleman they brought in. He was their like trust and safety coordinator or whatever, wasn't he? The trust
1: and safety coordinator for FTX was previously embroiled in an online poker thing where he was selling God mode. To players, so they could milk the game.
0: Yeah, so God mode yeah. no means you can see everyone else's cards, and no one knows that you've got that functionality.
1: So from our admin, I can't, I can't see it. I can't see, it. and it's actually completely against the whole reason why I'm building it. I want to build a safe place for people to play poker and have a good time. It, we it, we had so much fun on on Monday night mm. that like I want to share that. Yeah, with the world. Yeah, for sure. It was really good. And Bitcoin is literally designed to do it. And one of the reasons is like, if you think about what is the value of a chip on on the internet in a global market, right? Mm -hmm. It's the one, it's a one world currency. Yep. So whatever, if you're betting 50,000, you're betting 50,000 Satoshis. Yeah. Which is uh, 20 bucks, Mm -hmm. 20 bucks, right? So it means that someone from, Someone from Africa can play someone against India and they're all dealing in the same in the same currency. currency. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, like you said, and is
0: exactly what Bitcoin was designed to be.
1: Yeah. So we're really excited by it. It's been a slot. I've spent a fucking fortune on this thing, and I've still got a long way to go. So anyone that wants to donate money to me or buy cars from me or sell me cars, we much appreciate it. I've been milking the business like crazy to get this thing off the ground. Mm-hmm. But we're almost there. We're almost there. So oh, when I say halfway, we're halfway through the tech build. No, sorry. We're halfway through putting it all together. We're probably two-thirds of the way through the build. Yep. Um, we should have a product available by the end of this year. I'd like to share it with everyone. Hopefully January is when we're going to be domiciled in a jurisdiction that allows it, and uh, we'll be up and ready and racing. So mm-hmm. we're going to do another... We're going to do another test tonight. I've just yep. got to put a couple of social media things. Monday night. Cool. Monday night. Um, I'm going to try and do it from Japan. If not, uh, Andrew is handling it. And um, yeah, so if, if, you, so if, if you want, you to, be want part to get of it, in,
0: it. Yeah, go and follow it. Texas HODL on Instagram and yep. uh, watch for posts. F-
1: follow me too. If you follow me, because I, I'm not going to put the test public on the Texas HODL page. Yep. Because it's a closed test. Yeah. So, because yeah, I want feedback. So, yep. uh, but if you want to be involved, if you listen to the show, if you want to be involved, you're more than welcome. Uh, follow me on Instagram and I will uh, share a link over the weekend mm-hmm. or, or on Monday. Jump on seven o'clock Brisbane Eastern Standard Time. Um, have a couple of hours of run And, and if you've got any, if, if, if anything uh, fucks up, send me a text. Hmm. But cool. There you go. There you go. It's official.
0: Yeah, and look, it was it was such a fun time. I'm really, really looking forward to this going live completely. And hey, if you don't want to spend your Bitcoin on something, go and take someone else's Bitcoin.
1: Well, I mean, there were some guys. Sure, some guys did their asses while we were playing, You know, with fake, fake, uh, uh, fake credits, you know, fake credits. Yep. But you know, they, if you're good, the beauty of this this game is that. It's a game of skill. That's right. Like, go get better at it. Mm-hmm. Go work on your craft. Yep. And like a cash game, for example, you could jump on a cash game. Because if I was to be a player, the way that I would do it, because I'm not a gambler, the way that I do it is like I'd get in. If I was 20% up on leave, I'd be happy with that. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't, I would probably just run it down to zero. <laughs> I'd keep trying to get down to zero. But it's it's interesting because it kind of falls into what we're talking about in the business world. It's once you start getting emotional about the cards, is when you start making mistakes. That's right. So there's like a lot of it's like no, you've got to be pragmatic. Oh, someone's done something to me. Someone slighted me on the table, and Mm -hmm. I want them. I want to show them, and I want to pay them back. Well, no, now you've let emotion run your. your It's why
0: I don't like. I've got the Broncos singlet on. I don't bet on Broncos games. Because I know that yes. I've got an unconscious bias towards my team. And I think they're going to go better than they will. So I just yeah. don't bet on Broncos games. It's a bad idea for me. That's
1: hilarious. Yeah. That's hilarious. So, yeah, look, uh, um, I've put, uh, I don't want to say heart and soul because I, I think the next the next one, this is the stepping stone to the next one. I'm very proud of Texas Hoddle. I'm actually very proud of the name. I mm. i don't care if no one respects it. I respect it. I yeah. think it's fucking cool. I, like it's, I think it's and, cool. Um. Uh, shout out to everyone on the team that's helped so far. We've, we've got a good team that's been set up. Shout out to the uh, the guys in India that, that are working on it. Um, they, they're taking calls at like five like five AM over there mm. from us, but like they're just really they seem to be um, really in our uh, in our corner, really trying to make it work. So it's good. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, uh, the next one I would say is is probably technically one of the most impressive products that I think it will come out this year. I, like it, it sounds grand, grandiose, mm-hmm. but it should be. It's so slick. We've we've got a patent around it. I think it's that cool. But I, I'm, my hands are tied. I can't do anything. Yeah, the, yeah. Next, the next step of the build will probably cost me – sorry, just to build a demo, I reckon it could cost me 80, 90, 100 grand – and this, this fucking app's sucking all my uh, resources out. So I can't fund this other one myself. So mm. if you know any rich guys that want to own a really, really, really sexy piece of tech, um, find me, hit me up, and uh, we can have a talk.
0: Sounds good to me. All right. Well, I reckon we leave it there. Because literally nothing's happened in the world this week apart from the Mexican aliens. And I literally... Whoa could not give any less fucks about those mummified I'll tell you the they found.
1: I'll tell you the lowdown. Because I wanted to believe. I know you I want wanted, to believe. I wanted to believe so much that I've put the 1998 X-Files movie onto my, lap, uh, my laptop to watch. Okay? <laughs> I wanted it to be, be so real. But this guy... Now, a lot of Mexicans in the Instagram comments are very disappointed that the government platformed this guy. So right. the guy is a UFO report. I guess he's a Mexican Jeremy Corbell. Yeah, maybe a, like Jeremy La Corbell. <laughs> and he he that was an official government sanctioned event. Now he showed these things, but apparently these these relics were analyzed two years ago. Right, where it was found that someone has just put a bunch of bones together mm. from humans and animals into that into those shapes and like like for example like the, it's got three fingers but the knuckles are like turned the wrong way and this one's over there and that one's over yeah. there there's a theme like they didn't even try impacted. that hard no they tried harder on the second one after all the lessons they learned from the first one <laughs> so it's not real I want to believe oh is it not I real I have been dude I have been on the deepest type. did you watch that John Safari?
0: no I don't watch UFO, UFO stuff seriously In, okay. Until an alien flies down and probes me itself, I honestly don't give a fuck. Because <laughs> to me, so, it's all just a distraction.
1: I love alien stuff. I love it. Yeah. Uh, you have to believe they do exist. That it's statistically totally. impossible for us to be the only creatures alive in this uh, mm-hmm. in this universe. Now, whether they're here or not, that's that's to be to be uh, debated. But I sent Jason a two-part... It's probably six hours of podcast that he's refused to to watch, which is fair enough. I actually haven't got feedback from the other guys that did watch it, so they mustn't have liked it. It's interviewing a physician... No, physics... No, what's it? Physicist. Yep. Named John Safadi. He is probably... Okay, so here's a crazy stat about John Safadi. The character of Doc Emmett in Back to the Future... Is based off Don Safadi. Great Scott! John Safadi knew George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Ma- uh, Marty McFly's character in Back to the Future was based off John Safadi's assistant, who was much smaller and had a massive sound system that he'd play music. Where yeah, that's pretty to cool. the point, yeah. But the physics in it is John's physics. Yeah, and. It, it's the craziest thing mm-hmm. look him up if you want to see it there was a podcast on concrete podcast he had he did a two-parter mm-hmm. your people don't like him because he's like a real New York Jew like like one of the lines that he said right the guy he was like John said um, well there's definitely aliens and um, the uh, Danny the the guy taking the podcast was like well like prove it. And he goes, I, I, I don't approve the, the equations there. The, the maths are the maths are settled. That, like, there just is. There just is. He goes, mm. but you can't just say that. And he goes, yeah, of course I can. I've done 45 years of study. I can't teach you the physics yeah. in a podcast. And then he's like, yeah, but this, isn't that just easy for you to say? And he goes, okay, what what college degree have you got? And he goes, oh, I dropped out after six weeks. He goes, yeah, okay, there you go. Just know this. You're a fucking idiot, and I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> All right? So he's a bit abrasive. Yeah. But the stuff that he talks about, and then when he actually goes into the mass, and I've gone on a deep dive, I've watched probably five more hours of stuff on it, and it's crazy. But it's so crazy, I believe everything he says.
0: Yeah. Look. But I'm... I didn't
1: believe, I wanted to believe, I wanted to believe the Mexican aliens, yeah. but I didn't get the same feeling I did when I hear John Safari talk. When he yeah, talks good. about how inter interwoven, I believe one of the characters in the Oppenheimer movie is Sefati. He knew Oppenheimer. They were, right. Like he's connected to everyone. Bohemian Grove. He's been to all the Bohemian Grove. He defended Bohemian Grove. Mm-hmm. Um crazy story. So if you want to get if you want to get freaky, so and you, I can see your eyes rolling into the back of your head. So you guys like, heard like
0: you guys heard it here first. Alex believes the New York Jew. And he doesn't believe the Mexicans because he's a racist. See, sí, senor. And on that note, thanks very much for joining us, guys. And we will see you next week. Bye. En- enjoy your time in Japan, bro. Thank you. All right. Laters.